here to take the motherfucking game. All Bring right. What up, though? It's your girl, Red. It is That Deep is the Podcast, as you can see. <clears throat> I'm riding solo today. Um, my brother Juan here, he is out celebrating his mother's birthday. So he really is truly being the good guy today, taking his mom out to dinner. So happy birthday to Juan's mom. We're going to tap his chair. And then my brother Dave, he is, you know, a family man. So um, I try not to bug him too much about coming on the show. He was here last week. So, you know, I said, let me let me give my, my brother Dave a break from a podcast and let him do the family thing. So it's just me today. So if you are familiar with me from social media, particularly Instagram, um, you know that it is nothing for me to sit in front of my tripod in my basement and go live and talk to myself. (laughs) So when I initially started to go live, um, I didn't have like a lot of participation. So it would literally be just me talking and very few people watching. But then as I began to do it more, more people joined in. It became more of an interactive event. And then I started to, you know, bring guests on to talk to about different things. And it was like, it was really dope. And people would inbox me like, when you go on live again, I want to go live with you. So um, that is not what made me want to do podcasts. I wanted to do podcasts or talk show or something like this for years. But that was just me kind of testing it out and seeing, you know, if I could do it. And so it's like, if I can do it by myself, I can definitely do it with some dope co-hosts. And so I am very fortunate to have two of the dopest co-hosts that just happened to not be here today. So you get read for about 60 minutes talking to you. So um, yesterday I was out shopping, right? And um, I noticed that in these stores, They are asking us for too much. So first I had to go to the pet store and they asked me if I wanted to donate a can of dog food right at the checkout. So I'm like, all right, cool. Cost me a couple extra dollars, whatever. So then I ended up at my local grocery store, got my few items. When I'm checking out, they asking me if I want to donate to local hospital charity or something like that. I'm like, all right, you know, donate the dollar. So then I went home, put my things away, and I I realized I forgot something. So I went to CVS up the street, and they're like, do you want to round up? And I'm just like, okay, this is just excessive at this point. So I don't know if people out there have noticed this, but they are constantly asking us for shit. Or if they're not asking you to donate They're asking for your email. They want your phone number. It is just ridiculous. So I would like to just say to all the brick and mortar stores out there, stop asking us for shit. We just want to shop and leave. That is my PSA for this session. So last show we did um, emasculation. I thought it was an extremely dope episode, but I forgot at the beginning to announce that it is now tourist season so we have exited airy season the action uh, zodiac right they're ruled by planet mars they get shit started i purposely started my podcast um at the beginning of airy season because i really wanted to be fueled by that energy of getting things started and so that's what i did 
And so now we're out of the I am, because that's the phrase for Aries, I am, and we are into the I have, we're in Taurus season, or I possess. So Taurus, um, while Aries kind of initiates action, Taurus is a fixed sign, so they are more about sustaining. So Taurus sustains stability. So another reason why I came along and did the show today by myself was because it's really important for me to keep the podcast going, right? You don't want to take too many breaks. We took a break um, two weeks ago because um, we were supposed to have two episodes dropping back to back and then something happened. And so it didn't happen like we wanted it to. And so we kind of skipped a whole week where there was no podcast. So I'm like, I don't want that to happen again. So just because, you know, these guys aren't available. I'm still coming here to talk because I got to keep this thing going. And so when you think about Taurus season, that's what it's about. It's about sustaining stability. So we got it started. Now we have to keep it going. And um, my goal for this season was to do 10 episodes and to kind of flow through the modalities of the Zodiac. So you start cardinal and the middle is your fix and then at the end is mutable. So your cardinal signs all start the seasons, right? So Aries starts um, spring, Cancer starts summer, Libra starts fall, and then Capricorn starts winter, right? And so then you have your fixed signs, which those are right in the middle. So they're they're the ones who are right in the middle of all the seasons. So you have Taurus, that's in the middle of um, spring and summer. Then you have Leo, um, that's between like summer and fall. And then you have um, Scorpio, that's like what would you say, fall, winter? And then you have, um, what's the last one? Aquarius, which is uh, right in the middle of like winter. So and then you have your mutable signs, um, which are at the end, so they finish. So this season, I will plan to end like in Gemini season. So basically flowing through the modalities. Um, so yeah, that's that. So your Taurus, they're the I have of the Zodiac. They love their possessions. They're very materialistic, not materialistic in the sense of, you know, everything has to be name brand, oh, though they can be like that. But it's really that everything needs to be plush and nice and comfortable. A Taurus is going to have the best sofa with the fluffy pillows, the best comforter on their bed. You know, their home is going to be extremely comfortable because they're hedonistic. So they're all about pleasures. You know, they love smells. They love food. Your Tauruses, they can always usually cook. You know, they're ruled by planet Venus or the planet of love. In my mind, I don't feel like a Taurus could be a terrible spouse because of how nurturing and devoted they are, though they are extremely secretive. So if you are dating a Taurus, you better believe they got a secret stash of some money or some possessions somewhere because of the way they value their possessions. They would never want um, something there that they value to ever be taken from them. Also on the negative side, extremely stubborn. Can't tell them nothing. Like if you are ever going to get into an argument with someone and you know that they're a Taurus, just know you're never going to change their mind. The one tip I can give you for that is um, if you are arguing with the Taurus and um, you want them to see things your way, tell them that you're right. Like be the most genuine that you could ever imagine and just be like, oh, you know what, baby, you're absolutely right. And that is going to soften them and, and help them to open up to seeing things your way. Because truly they are a loving sign, just very stubborn and headstrong. So sometimes you have to um, 
kind of a sacrifice a little bit to get them to relinquish some of that. So yeah, if you want to know how to manipulate your Taurus, let them have their way and then they're going to make things even greater for you because they really are extremely giving, loving, pleasurable, great people. And what I love about the earth signs of the zodiac period is I feel like they are the best at showing us that along with being super serious, um, driven, career oriented and all of that, you can also have fun because your Capricorns, your Taurus and Virgos, like they're all usually they can come off really serious. And usually, you know, like they have it all together, but they also know how to turn up and have a good time like nobody else. So I love that about them because I feel like that's something that's valuable to all of us to know how to kind of balance fun and priorities. So shout out to the Tauruses out there for Taurus season. If you got your one, I, I would say I consider you lucky, but I know there are people who have experienced the negative side. So y'all can tell me about that later. So one of the things that I talk about on this podcast a lot and on most podcasts you will see is we spend a lot of time delving into relationships, right? Um, we talk about them quite a bit and it's because it's such a, a vast topic. There's so many ways that you can discuss a relationship. And because of that, um, you get these people that are kind of like perched on the top, um, of giving advice of, you know, saying what they feel that people really listen to. Like, so for one, we all know Kevin Samuels, right? Kevin Samuels is extremely controversial, but at the same time, he's extremely well-liked. And that's something that I realized about him. He has millions of followers, many of them women who um, look to him for what he's going to say. And I don't think that we all necessarily like the things that he says, but that's what makes it provocative, right? If we like something that someone says, it doesn't really stick, right? It doesn't make you think. It doesn't push for culture in any way. It's just an agreement with what, you know, everyone's thinking. But when you can say things that are controversial, when you can say things that, you know, get people triggered, um, then you kind of push things forward because now you have people thinking. So even if they're just thinking of a rebuttal, they're thinking, you know, you get people unstuck. So Kevin Samuels, um, he is not someone who particularly bothers me, but I do understand why he bothers others because, um, the thing about his brand of, um, what he does is that, um, I don't feel like many of his followers are smart enough to take it for what it is and use it in combination with the thoughts that they already have. I think that a lot of people follow him and just want to think just like him, but they can't really add anything to it. And so, if you've ever gone to his page as a woman and tried to leave a comment or anything like you will literally get attacked. It is scary over there. I left a comment in agreement with him and I just had men left and right just attacking me, insulting me. I'm just like, this is freaking crazy. But I was thinking about Kevin Samuels earlier today and, you know, how he triggers people. And I remembered there was a guy that was like him, right? Be way before his time. The guy's name was Tommy Sotomayor. 
I don't know if you all remember him, right? But his name was Tommy Sotomayor. And the same man who introduced me to Kevin Samuels um, introduced me to Tom, uh, Tommy Sotomayor back in the day. Tommy Sotomayor was a whole lot more like vile and just, oh my God, like the first time I heard him um, give his perspective on women and the black community, um, I was in pure freaking shock. Like, who the F is this man? But then because I am, you know, somewhat of a logical person for the most part, I started to kind of realize that I really can't argue with his point. Like he's incited me emotionally and I want to throw my computer because I can't believe what I just heard. But at the same time, like, man, there is an extreme amount of truth to this. And I can't remember what he was saying verbatim, but I just remember him saying something about, you know, everybody always talking about their mothers and, you know, the community is this way because it's ran by mothers. You know, where are the fathers? And it was just kind of like, I wish I could find his old videos, but this man was so, he was such a huge villain in his um, time. You know, he calls himself the most controversial man on the internet. Um, there was actually a petition written and um, signed by 14,000 people to banish him from the internet. So he's been banished from YouTube several times. Um, so, you know, he because he not only goes in on black women, which is funny because when I was reading up on him today, I was reading things that said like um, he was racist against black women. And I'm like, racist against black women? That's a black man. You know what I'm saying? So that just sounded kind of funny to me, but I get it. Um, I guess that could be a thing. But um, yeah, he was so vile and like just such a huge villain. And I'm just like, he was honestly ahead of his time in a way because the things that he was saying then, a lot of those things are the exact same things that um, Kevin Samuels says now. And so I just think that Kevin Samuels' finesse game with it is just a lot better. Tommy Sotomayor, he kind of was regular. You know what I'm saying? He looked like and came off like an angry bitter black man you know what I'm saying like he wasn't somebody that you looking at and you like oh my god he's he's fine he's this or that so it's very easy to dismiss a person if they don't have a certain appearance right so Kevin Samuel's appearance in a way I feel like helps him a lot because he looks distinguished right he's got the uh, salt and pepper hair he got the glasses on he sits up you know he's got his legs crossed um, he's an older gentleman, so that kind of comes with a level of respectability already. And um, even when he speaks, like you can tell that he's intelligent. He's not up there using a bunch of curse words. You know, he doesn't, to me, come off angry. He just comes off convicted. Like this is what he thinks. This is what he knows. And this is what he's telling us. You know what I mean? Where the other guy came off again, more angry, more brash, more just like, this ain't nothing but a, a angry black man that couldn't get the type of black woman he want. And now he's just mad. But again, I couldn't ignore um, the truth and some of the things that he was saying. And I just remember thinking in my mind at that time, because, again, he's ahead of his time. Um, I just hope this doesn't catch steam. And you know what I'm saying? And men don't start thinking like this and 
you know, because it's going to change everything. That's what I was thinking when I saw it. And like, here we are today and we have this figure and, you know, I do think that it causes some division, but I have a theory on relationships and the state of relationships today. And um, I really, you know, we all know, we talk about it all the time about feminism and, you know, how these things kind of messed everything up. But this is my my theory on the flow of it, right? Because um, when I look at my mom, right, my mom grew up. Um, when all this stuff was popping off. So she's seen the ladies with afros and the burning the bras. And, you know, she kind of grew up in that time. But honestly, my mother, you know, the baby boomers, they didn't really truly experience the true effects of feminism. Because though my mother worked and she worked full time, she didn't have to work. She was married. You know, um, my stepfather paid most of the bills when she was married to my father. He paid most of the bills or all of them. So she didn't really get to experience what feminism really would come to do. She was just like there at the start of it. And I think most of us can attest to that our moms we're not like how we are in this generation. So I just remember growing up, you know, nice neighborhood and a neighborhood full of parents. You know, everybody was married on the block. There was like two single mothers on our whole block. Now, today, it would be um, kind of a big deal to have two married families on the block, honestly. So I grew up in a neighborhood where there everybody was married, you know, and everybody kind of helped each other. And it was really that community feel and there was a one single mother who lived next door and one single mother across the street and that was it and so what what I what I feel about that so again our mothers they didn't really experience uh what it was like to 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 really be feminist right to be the independent woman but I think that the next generation which is not um it's like my auntie's generation. That's when I started to see. That's when you started to really see this thing unravel, like around um, late 80s, early 90s, right? 87, 93-ish type-ish, right? My auntie, I remember her having her first son. She was like 17, 18 years old. Um, and so me being about 11, 10 years younger than her, I'm seeing this, right? I'm seeing her do this and I'm seeing her like basically able to manage it, you know, with help of my grandmother, right? She lived at home with my grandmother. Grandma helped, you know, she had kids. She had a couple more kids. And that was like, it wasn't okay, but it was okay. But it was like the start, right? So then you started to kind of see women having kids and a man not being around. So prior to that, I hadn't seen that. That wasn't my experience. All my friends had their fathers around or a stepfather, again, in the neighborhood, two single mothers on a whole block, right? Um, so then at, at this time, like my auntie's generation, you started to see mothers having kids and no man really in sight. Um, so, yeah, so that was like a, a completely different look. And um, that's when you started to see, you know, this wave and it was okay. It was, um, it wasn't 
anything to be particularly proud of, but it wasn't anything to be ashamed of. And so then you trickle down to my generation who, again, me and, you know, a few of my cousins, we all had our kids around 18, 19, 20 years old at the most, not being married. You know what I'm saying? All these things were were a shift in culture because you started to have women having kids without a man being around. And now this is okay because women are independent. We work. Not only do we work, we go to school. Like we do everything. Um, so that was my situation. I worked. There was times when I was working two jobs, working full time, had a kid, you know what I'm saying? You know, doing a lot. But I felt empowered by the fact that I could do all this and still be a mother. My daughter was in gymnastics, piano, dance, um, sports at school. You know, it was a hell of a balancing act, but I was doing it. And again, there was a sense of pride in being able to do these things um, that there wouldn't have been in years past. In years past, there needed to be a man there. But at this time, this was me doing these things by myself. I'm not getting child support or nothing. I'm the one making sure my daughter gets here or there and my mom would help when she could. Um, so that dynamic really shifted. And then what also shifted is women's women's earnings, right? So now you have a culture of women who earn practically what the men can earn, right? So now you have this equality. So it's not really truly equality because there's still a ton of jobs and, and careers that, you know, women don't do, would never want to do, that men do that basically sustain the world. So shout out to the men for that. But in a sense of earning, um, Black women and black men, there's only a, a marginal difference in what we earn. So with that type of equality, the dynamics of relationships are going to shift a great deal. And then um, as women started to do that, the world itself started to change. So now we have this thing called social media, right? And so when I was growing up, I can tell you something that I never saw, and that was men arguing with women or debating with women. Um, I think that a lot of you that are around my age or between 30 and 40 years old can say like when you were growing up, you didn't see men and women debating each other. You had women in one room, you know, talking about women shit. And then you had men in the basement or in the backyard talking about men shit. It was like, we weren't ever sitting together debating you know, life shit. It was just like completely separate because it was more of a hierarchy, you know, was the husband, the wife or the woman, the man. And then like the kids, kids weren't allowed in adult conversation. So the kids would be in the back, you know, in a room somewhere playing with each other. You know, there wasn't all everybody together in one room and men and women debating and, you know, these types of things. I did not see those type of scenarios growing up. So and I think one of the reasons that um, men didn't en engage in a lot of debate with women, because why would a man need to debate with a woman when you earn more, you have more? She basically is surviving from you. So you don't really have a reason to debate with her. You just let her cackle and and go on with her friends and, you know, say whatever they have to say. But you don't have a reason to engage in a debate with a woman. You know what I'm saying? And I, I really feel like this is a thing. So. Um, again, you rewind that to the, the coming times you get social media and now you have women and men that have this sense of equality. And so that, 
that that feeling of men not feeling they need to debate with a woman, that starts to dissipate. And so with this new social media and all that that comes about, men are now starting to voice their opinion, right? Like men are starting to open up and say exactly how they feel. And it's it's honestly shocking. And there's times where I feel like I miss the days when men didn't talk so much. You know what I'm saying? Because God damn. They they just say some shit that just really gets to you, but it's real shit. But it's it's I think it's really difficult to take because again, we're not used to it because it never used to happen. So back in the day, a man debating or talking down on a woman would be like bullying almost because you were so much more further ahead and had so much more than a woman that why would you do that? But now that you have this sense of equality and we're equal to each other and we earn as much and I'm strong and I can do it without you and that, you know, even you're not needed, that type of rhetoric, um, now it's okay for a man to say whatever he wants to a woman because these ain't the same type of women. You know what I'm saying? These are essentially, you know, these are masculine women. And so then it becomes okay to argue. So I don't know if you notice, but a lot of times you'll hear women say, Um, something against men arguing with women. And that's where that comes from. Because growing up, most of us can say we never seen men do that. It was always you kind of just let a woman have her way or just, you know, you didn't even really care about what she had to say. But now that there's this sense of being equal, it's okay to debate with a woman because she's your equal. You debate your equal, right? On a debate debate team, you're debating kids of the same grade or, you know, they come from the same type of school probably. I don't really know about a debate team because I never did it, but this is what I'm assuming. And so now that this that we've become equals, it's okay now for us to express equally, right? When I grew up, it was men wasn't shit. Men didn't do this. Men, 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 you know, it was okay for us to complain now we getting the same shit back. And that just kind of changes everything because for one, it's completely shocking, right? Because you're like, you didn't even know that men noticed half of this shit. Like we didn't know y'all noticed half of this shit that y'all be saying to us. We're like, what the fuck? But now we're realizing that you guys notice everything and you're very freely and very much expressing it. And it's very much a shock to us. And so what has been going on in the in in the years more present is that it's separated us a great deal, right? Because men are now talking shit to us, telling us about ourselves. We ain't used to it. And um, because of that, we reject it, right? Because again, like I said, the first time I saw Tommy Sotomayor, I rejected it because I'm like, who the fuck does he think he is? Oh, he must hate his mother. You know what I'm saying? But when I thought about it logically and because the person who was sending it to me was challenging me to do that. Um, so I had to because I don't bow down from a challenge. OK, so um, because he was challenging me to do that, that's what I did. And so that's when I was left with. Wow. You know, the wow factor that a lot of the things that he was saying were right, that a lot of um, the reasons why a lot of things are fucked up in our communities is because of, you know, things that women do that we don't even notice that we do. We don't even notice that we take a part in because the system was created 
um, for us to do these things just as they are done. Um, but now that these things are starting to be pointed out to us, eventually we're going to have the obligation to take a look at self and say, we have to do better than this because if we want better for our communities, for our grandchildren and for generations to come, it's not going to be that way if things keep going how they are going now. All right. So then you have the initial shock of women, you know, hearing men speak like this, which causes a great divide. You got a lot of divorce. You got a lot of people getting together, having kids, not staying together for any time. You know, it's just shitty out here to be honest um and so now I think what's happening the shift that I am seeing is that um I feel like women are going to and black women are partic- in particularly are going to return to our femininity and I say that because I have posted um certain things in my story that a year ago would have triggered women in the worst way Okay, I posted something from uh, patriarchal femininity, right? That said women should dress nice for their um, husbands, keep a nice weight, cook their meals. Like it said some shit that, you know, seems very, I don't know, almost antiquated these days um, for a woman to say. And I didn't get any backlash for it. Again, a year, two years ago, I would have had. 20 DMs from different women saying, and what's a man supposed to do? You know what I'm saying? But I didn't get any of that. As a matter of fact, I had women who were, you know, hearting it and liking it and feeling it. And that made me feel good because I I do think that now that we've gotten to that place, right? We got to the place of equality, right? And so this place of equality has allowed men to express what they feel. And the initial shock of that turned women off. It made us probably even more rebellious, probably um, more masculine and probably made us more independent thinking because we're feeling like we can't get a man because they hate us. You know what I'm saying? Have you heard them? They hate us. They don't protect us. So it caused that great divide. But now I feel like because of people, you know, like Kevin Samuels, who can kind of finesse that information and kind of get women to listen, I feel like we're going to return to that state of femininity because we're tired. <laughs> if I'm speaking for myself, um, we're fucking tired. Like we're tired of doing it all. We've proven our point that we could and like shit, we don't like it. You know, we don't want to do it all anymore. And so I think the next step in this evolution is going to be the return to women being more feminine. A lot of us are a lot older now, like myself. <laughs> so, you know, it's a, a kind of a different game for us. But for the younger women, um, I hope if they are tuning into this and listening to what I'm saying, um, it is valuable to return back to that space because it ain't meant for a woman to be working as hard as we work and, and you know, raising families. It, it's just not. And it's not even fair, you know, to be honest. So here's another dynamic um, that I notice, and that causes kind of a divide and, and difficulty. When I was growing up, also, a woman was looked at as a prize, right? You know, he findeth the good wife, he findeth the good thing. It says something like that in the scriptures, right? Um, a woman was a prize. She was extremely valuable. Um, it was something you wanted to do. Right. But as we as we grew into this space of equality. Right. What also happened is that 
men have learned that they're a prize too, right? Men have learned that they are a prize too. And so with them learning this, um, that means they're not adapting to us the way they used to. Do you get what I'm saying? They're not adapting to us because they're like, not only am I a prize, I might be the prize and you might need to adapt to me. And that's another thing that poses difficulty for women because we're not used to adapting, right? Because we've always been the prize. We've always been the one that had to be adapted to. You find it a good wife. So you you find it a good woman. You do with what the hell she say and, you know, live happily ever after. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> so now um, men ain't buying into that shit anymore. They're like, Mm-mm, we both equally valuable. I might be more valuable than you. And so they're not adapting to us like they used to. But then the flip side of that is now women have to adapt and we just really simply don't know how. If you notice all the memes you see regarding like men and women, it'll say like a man will be a certain way with one woman, but different with another because men are about adapting because they've always had to adapt. Um, But women are about stability and you know being loved unconditionally just for the sake that we are women right we have inherent value we have a womb we raise children that that puts us in a certain category but now a lot of that has kind of lost its edge for the man and they're realizing that they bring a a lot of value too because they've had to become nurturers They've had to learn how to cook. They got to iron their clothes. You know what I'm saying? They've had to tap into um, their femininity in a sense. And so now that they've done that and now that they're seeing that they can also do both, you know, having a woman, I don't know if it's as valuable to a man. And a lot of men will tell you like, what, what, how could a, a woman add value to me? And they'll say that shit flat out. Like there are independent men who don't need a woman for shit. Like they don't say it in those words like we used to, but they say it in so many ways. And so that adaptability, you know, they don't have to do it. And women, we don't know how to do it. Even now you see women, you know, we trying to manifest everything to go our way instead of realizing like it's not really everything around us that needs to change. It's us that needs to change too. Like I don't care how many crystals you carry in your purse. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to make you the person a man needs or desires if you don't work on who you are. You know what I'm saying? If you don't, if you're not able to assess and see flaws in yourself and then actively work on fixing them. And that's, that's what you have to do. And I think the biggest area of adaptability for women is learning to listen, right? So Most men today, they talk about peace a lot. They talk about women not listening to them a lot. And it's not that we're not hearing them. Like we hear what men say, but because a lot of us have been through a lot, we've had a lot of trauma, we're going to filter what you say through that trauma. And we've learned to call that intuition. But what a woman has to learn to do is she needs to learn how to differentiate um, trauma from intuition because every time you have a feeling it doesn't mean that it's intuition because you've experienced a traumatic event that seems similar to this is making you feel like it's going to happen again and you're mistaking that for intuition it's not intuition it's really a traumatic response 
And because a lot of women haven't really dealt with themselves, they haven't really dealt with things that they've been through. And I'm sure men on the flip side are the same. You know, I'm just not a man, so I can't say. But um, yeah, you know, we haven't really dealt with a lot of things. And so because of that, we start to feel like we have superpowers. Like we almost a damn psychic. You'll see people say, you know, every time I overthink, I'm right. And a lot of times they don't even be right, but they uh, you you eventually make yourself right. If you keep looking for something to be wrong, I swear to God, you will find it, right? So what we need to do is we have to be able to adapt to a man. And it's like, it's a crazy idea. And um, one of the key areas of adapting, it would be to learn to listen, to listen to what he says and take what he says at actual face value and not try to add your emotions to it. Don't filter it through your trauma. Don't try to make it what you think it means. Think about what he said. What did the man say? That's what he said. That's what he meant. They're not like us. Their words aren't really that complicated. Um, but that's tough. But I think as we return to our femininity again, we're going to get to a place of learning to listen. Right. Because our mothers, our grandmothers, they listen they because they had to. <laughs> and so even though we don't have to in a financial sense, like you don't need a man to come along and probably pay all your bills. Though we we want that, you know, that's always on the table. You can pay all the bills, all of them, all of them. Um, but. Yeah, we got to learn how to listen and we have to learn how to like really listen. And that is truly the hardest part for myself. I can say 100% my last relationship, my ex, she won't listen. She don't listen. And I felt like I was listening so good. And then we broke up and I look back and I'm like, man, I wasn't listening at all. Everything he said, I turned it into something else because of other shit I seen, other things I've been through. So I'm not talking down on anybody. I'm not sitting on the podcast trying to pontificate and act like I'm, you know, high and mighty. I am right there with you. Ladies, if we want what we want from these men, we have to listen to them. And I told myself, I'm like, the next time, cat or, you know, red, the next time you get with a man and you feeling him, you need to just come at him and be like, listen, I like you. What do I need to do to make you consistent towards me so we can build this thing? I don't know if that's too forward or not, but honestly, I really want to be in a relationship and actually know what it's like to be in a relationship and be feminine and listen. And my man said this and that's what I'm doing and like really be able to have that kind of vulnerability with a person. And for me, this is me coming a long way. Saying I want to be married, this is me coming a long way. For years of my life, I could not even say that. I couldn't verbally say, I want to be married. You know what I mean? It just felt weird. And it's also other women or situations. There have been times that I have been around, you know, women in groups where they almost will shame you for wanting a relationship because it's like, fuck these niggas. You know what I mean? That's a tip that a lot of women are on. And I understand where it comes from, but that's that gets into your your thinking and you start to really think that you don't need this. But it's like, I really do want this. And perhaps I do need this, you know, because who wants to grow old and die alone? 
Certainly not me. Well, I'm going to have a, a puppy, but you know, you want a, a nice warm body of a man to, to wake up to. And that is okay. And I just want to tell all the ladies out there who are single, who are hoping to partner up. It is okay to want a loving relationship that you can be vulnerable in, feminine in, that you can, you know, do things for. It is perfectly okay to want that and mold yourself towards being that for somebody. Um, It is not wrong. It does not make you weak. You know, it just makes you a person who wants to be in love and, and, and sustain love like a Taurus, right? They sustain stability. So here I am back where I began Taurus seasons, uh, sustaining stability, love, ruled by the planet uh, Venus, all of that. That's where I am. And so again, that what I just shared with you guys is my theory on, you know, what has happened over time. So feminist movement, equality, uh, fighting, but now I feel like we're going to move into our femininity. And so I really want that for us. I love that for us. I think that is what is best for us. Um, and, you know, I hope we get there. Something I've been noticing a lot of lately is I've been seeing a lot of black women on some strange dates. Like I'm I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I seen a young black woman with a, a man, Caucasian man. He was about 50 something years old. I mean, it just looked it just looked so odd. And I'm just like, what in the heck is going on? Like, how did these two even meet? Which I'm sure is probably online dating. And um you know, it's nothing wrong with exploring other options. Just be careful and don't be thirsty. And, um, you know, but I've been seeing a lot of these odd pairings and I'm just like, what in the hell? Me and my cousin looking like, oh my, it looked real sugar daddy, sugar baby-ish. But I looked again and they looked like they were having a great time. So I think you know, when I see, you know, sisters out and they, they're with these different kinds of men, it lets me know, you know, I'm right in my theory that we we are ready for love. But you have this thing called perception, right? And that is something we have to also work on is how we perceive each other. I feel like black people, generally, we have a low perception of each other, men and women. Um, and so what happens is your perception kind of rules your reality, right? So if my perception is all black men ain't shit, they're not worthy, you know, they're going to dog me, you know, they don't have money, they're not going to take care of me. If that's my perception, if I just think that it's never going to work, how am I going to behave when I'm on a date with a black man? You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to really behave in a way that's going to be promising for a relationship. I'm going to have an attitude. I'm going to be looking for him to say something to trigger these things that I already feel because my perception is so low. So I think that's something that people do not realize that they do is that they get on a date or they start dating somebody of another race and they think that it's different. But really, it could be different 
but also they're different, right? Because you're on a date with this white guy and your perception of him is he's better. He's going to take care of you. He's going to be sensitive towards you. Um, he's funner, whatever, whatever ideas you have surrounding these men, you know, they come from better families. Um, all of those things that you perceive about them are going to dictate how you act. So you're not going to go on a date with him and have a nasty attitude. You're not going to go on a date and make assumptions about him or, you know, treat him poorly. You know, you're going to go on a date. You're going to let your hair down. You're going to laugh. You're going to enjoy yourself because you you think that this person is better. That's how you perceive them. The same thing with black men and, and women that aren't black. You know what I'm saying? They could be different or maybe even better. But the way that you perceive it also helps to elevate the experience because you coming into it thinking the best and then you get the best like manifestation. Right. So. No matter who you date, no matter who you go out with, no matter what you think, everybody deserves to come into these situations with a clean slate, right? They don't they don't deserve to come in already being accused or already being guilty when they haven't done anything to you. And if you come into relationships with people and you can't give them that, then you, perhaps you're not really ready to date seriously. And that was something that I had to realize within myself when I, you know, broke up with my ex and, you know, I was single and I was thinking I was ready to date, but I knew I wasn't ready to date because how I perceived men. I would see a man out. He could be handsome. He could be whatever, but I would just start attaching really negative qualities to him. Like, oh, he probably got a baby mama. Oh, he probably a player. Oh, he looked like he probably do this. You know what I'm saying? Everything that I had ever felt traumatized by, I was placing on these men. That's how I saw them. So for me, now that I'm an older person, older woman, I can realize that as me not really being ready to date because I can't even give this person a clean slate. And it's really important to do that. It's really important to take a person at face value. Just like I said, listening to a man when he tells you something and you not filtering it, it's very important for you to meet someone and chill out and just enjoy it. And, you know, I mean, in the process of dating, there is that representative, you know, and um, you're going to catch a person telling little lies. And I think that is normal. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's, you know, the greatest thing. But I definitely think that it's normal. It's something that I have always noticed because I'm just a very perceptive person. And I listen to everything a person say. So if you say one thing and then say something else, it's like this for me. Like, I ain't going to miss nothing because I'm listening. Um, But sometimes you have to give people a little grace in that because, you know, when someone really likes you and they're trying to impress you, they can tend to talk a lot. You know, I don't know if people out here have experienced that, but I have. As I've started back dating, there have been times I have gone out with a man. And when I tell you the whole date, he's talking and I'm just sitting there waiting to jump in. Now, y'all know I'm a podcaster, so obviously I like to talk. So I'm waiting to jump in and be able to, you know, say what I have to say. And I mean, these men will not give you a chance because they see you as valuable. They're interested and they're trying to sell themselves, essentially. 
a lot of women, if I if I express that, and men, men, women and men alike do these same things, they would say, oh, that's a narcissist. You don't want to date that person. They're narcissists. I don't think that. Again, I just think that sometimes when you date somebody, they really want to impress you. And so they're trying to sell themselves. They're telling you stuff that, you know, maybe on a first date you shouldn't really have to tell. I don't need to really know what you earn. But if you put that out there, that's okay. Um, but it was funny because after this one first date I had, the guy texted me later and he's like, I like you, you're open-minded. And I was just like in shock because I'm like, how the hell do you know I'm open-minded when I ain't get to say a goddamn word? You know, I'm, I'm telling you, a date for 65 minutes of me just sitting back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, wow. Okay. Trying to jump in and couldn't because he just dominated the whole conversation. And then he said, I feel like you're open-minded because you listen more than you speak. It took everything out of me not to say I ain't get a chance to speak. But, you know, I was just like, well, thank you. I think that's a, a dope perception. And then I explained that I am often in a listening space with people for whatever reason in life. People just feel like they can tell me about their life and all their problems and, you know, everything. And so you know, I'm used to sitting back and listening and um, probably should have been a therapist. Right. Um, but no, I wouldn't want that job. Um, so, yeah, dating is fun. It's as fun as you make it. Um, and you just have to remember to have fun with it and not try to make fetch happen. Y'all remember um, what was that? Mean Girls? Stop trying to make fetch happen. So that's when you're trying to make something a big thing that just ain't. Don't try to make fetch happen. Just let things flow. And then once you kind of know like, oh, I'm really digging that person. I think it's okay to kind of put that out there. I don't know. I could be wrong. I'll, I'll put a poll up for you guys to answer, you know, because I know men don't like, what are we? You know, what's worse? What are we? Or we need to talk. I think we need to talk is uh, way worse, but um, both of them. I'm pretty sure everybody hates. So, yeah. I have given you guys about 52 minutes of me straight talking. I'm very proud of myself. Um, and let's see. What else can I talk about before I finish? Because I got like 10 minutes left. And we've discussed a lot. We discussed Kevin Samuels, Tommy Sotomayor. I can't say Tommy Sotomayor. That's a a hard name to say altogether. But look him up. He's on Instagram. He's on everything, actually. Um, I actually spoke to him, which is crazy, because when I I Googled him to kind of see where he was, because I hadn't heard a peep from him, um, his Instagram came up. So I followed him. And, you know, he we kind of chatted a little bit. And, um... You know, he was saying he had like he was in a top percentile of OnlyFans followers or subscribers. And he got one point three million followers on TikTok, which I don't TikTok. I don't know if I would ever TikTok. I don't think TikTok's for me, just like Twitter's not for me because I'm not I'm not short winded. You know, usually when I want to type something up, I have a lot to say. I guess I could say a whole lot of a lot. Right. I could do threads. So that's something to consider, but I'm not good at managing more than one social media account either. So when I have Facebook and Instagram, one of them usually gets kind of pushed to the side. Usually if I have Facebook and Instagram, Facebook gets all my attention. 
So right now I just have Instagram. I considered going back to my Facebook, right? I was like, I need to go back to my Facebook account because, you know, my Facebook following is a little bit stronger. I feel like they would, you know, probably support my podcast more, um, you know, help blow my shit up because that's what we all trying to do. Y'all know that. Uh, follow me. Subscribe. Share my shit. Stop acting funny. Um, <laughs> but I just found out that Facebook is going to stop people from sharing podcasts. So I'm like, what the fuck? So I guess the metaverse is not that's not what they want to do there. And so it's going to become um, obsolete as of this week. I guess they're starting that this week. So to me, that was like, OK, well, I'm going to just continue building this thing on Instagram like I've been doing. But I really do appreciate those of you who have been subscribing, sharing my clips um, in your stories or on your page or whatever you've done, tagging me and stuff, giving me topic ideas. People do that a lot. Offering to even come on the show, that is always open to anybody who follows me. The only thing that I require of anybody who wants to come on the show is you got to come with a topic. Even though I'm going to always have a topic, this this little notebook I carry around is literally filled with topics, okay? And then, you know, when I come on, I kind of break down my topic and how I want it to flow. I'm kind of organized in that way. Um, so just come with a topic. We may not even use it, but I just need you to come with something like, you know, and, um, you know, we'll discuss it. So this has been a dope journey for me, a great challenge for me. I can't wait to listen to this and see how it turned out. And um, I appreciate whoever tunes in, shares, um, likes or whatever you do. And thank you so much. It is that deep is the podcast. I'm your girl, the Detroit Red. I'm kind of like your hip hop TT. You know, if you follow me, you know I love hip-hop. I grew up around the time hip-hop was born a little bit, and so I grew up with it. I love it. I'm never going to stop listening to rap. Um, it's always going to be a part of who I am. My my dog's name is Tupac. That's my favorite rapper. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of like y'all hip-hop TT because I'm definitely at auntie age. I'm not ashamed. I think growing older getting that opportunity is a beautiful thing even aging in a sense wrinkles all of that I embrace it because it is a privilege denied to many so again I thank you all for the support that I've been given um it really encourages me humbles me you know all of that so let me know what you think about this, what, 55 Minutes with Red. Straight up just talking. Peace.